Hello, everybody. I'm Lois Sanstegard, and I'm here today with Denise Hummel. And we have had the most wonderful experience. We met each other when Marshall Goldsmith was filming his documentary and wanted to do a demonstration of one of his trainings. And we were both present. And as we shared and talked, we were so energized by what each of us has been doing. And so we have started conversations and just wanted to continue that and share some of that with you today. I'm Lois Sonstegard. I'm an executive coach and consultant. I do a lot of work with companies that work uh, cross-culturally and globally. I grew up in Japan and so I understand some of the nuances of working cross-culturally and where are some of our stumbling blocks. So Denise, I'll let you introduce yourself. You know, it's funny, uh, Lois, with all the discussions we've had, I, I, I forgot that we had that common bond in terms of cross-cultural knowledge because I was an attorney for many, many years and I ultimately ended up building a cross-cultural model of communications optimization and um, scaled that to 65 countries and sold it to Ernst & Young. Uh, became a direct admit partner there and then let, uh, left uh, EY to uh, found Lead Inclusively, which as you know is um, focused on the connection between inclusion and business performance. So we're, we call ourselves a technology-enabled consulting firm. It's impressive, very impressive. One of the things that we've talked about, Denise, is you know, as you talk about what, are, what does it really mean to be inclusive, we've really explored and shared some of what does that mean. And so one of the things that resonates for me in our conversation is that ah, there's so many pressures that are, are upon organizations right now. And so we have this um, sense of what's happening outside the organization and that's what people see and view the shareholders view that but what's happening internally within the organization is not congruent with that so for me one of the best um, analogies that I use when I think about that is we've created systems that are like trees they have beautiful bark on the outside but when you look inside what you see is it's, it's all eaten up. It's rotten in the inside because the termites have eaten it up. Mm -hmm. And so part of what we haven't done is to tend to that inside that really makes that building strong. And, and we know if we don't do that, that tree eventually topples over, doesn't it? Yeah. And that doesn't work. It Absolutely. doesn't work for anybody. Yeah, I, I actually like the way you talk about it, Lois, when you say that, um, when you talk about the fact that um, demonstrating positive interest in others creates that, that connection um, where people can thrive. I, I, I know that in terms of um, your work that you've done with cancer patients, just to dive a little deeper on that, um, how, what, what was it that you were able to accomplish with them that led to things like, um, well, that led to, I'll let you tell the story, that, that led to the outcomes that, that were so outstanding, some of which you may, maybe strive to anticipate and maybe others that you didn't even know would happen. 
So the unit was um, gynecological cancer. They were at stage 4B+, which means that it was already in the lymph nodes. It was outside the tumor cells. So there had already been some spread of the cancer. Our mortality rate was 80%. Mm -hmm. So the family knows the outcomes are poor. The staff knows the outcomes are poor. Everybody in the environment knows that. So what happens when you have a negative environment where, where things aren't going well? Same thing is true in a company that's failing or not producing results, right? There's this, this um, anomie, a, a tremendous sense of hopelessness that comes about everybody. And that was when I first connected with my mother's stories about how you need hope if you're going to survive. So I said, okay, you can survive a concentration camp where you've been told you're going to be a prisoner for 100 years, so get ready to get used to it, right? And, um, and you can survive that. So how do we take that to the, to the cancer patients? And so what I realized was I couldn't solve the problem by just dealing with the patients themselves. I had to deal with the whole ecosystem. So I had to deal with the entire nursing staff, the medical staff, the administrative staff of the hospital who are making the policies about what was going to happen within the organization. So at the time, that time, that unit was the most, considered the most undesired place, uh, undesirable place in the hospital to work. You could not keep it staffed. So it took 18 months to train staff to make them fully proficient people were leaving at six months. So being able to have a trained staff was very difficult. The medical staff didn't have successes to talk about at medical conferences. So they weren't very excited about this. They might as well go spend their time with people who would give them results they could present papers on at conferences. So what do you do with that? I mean, it was pretty hopeless for all of us. Mm -hmm. And so we created a whole system and hope for everybody. What does that look like? If you really want to work here as a nurse and make this fun and exciting and interesting, what would that look like? And so we started looking at what's going on in your life right now. Okay, if you're going through that, you're not gonna be able to give very much to Mrs. G. So let me help you, I'll pick up these pieces today and then when I have that situation, you'll pick it up first. So we spent time negotiating. We didn't do it every day. We had a formal time in which we did it. So people knew that they had to plan. And, but people knew they were going to be taken care of, right? Yeah. And then with the families, we create a whole program for the husbands. We create a program for the children. We had slumber parties for the children where we could talk about what's going on. Do you understand what's going on with your mom? Do you talk about what's going on? And once we could be honest, we could then go from the fear of death to life. And it was as we shifted that focus from death to life, we created hope, right? And as we created hope, our mortality rate sank. We were about in the upper 40s, mid 40s, 40, 40%. So dropped from 80 to mid 40%. And in 18 months, that became the most sought after unit in the hospital 
to work. So wow. the shift was wow. dramatic, right? So, so, so let, let me just, I just, just to, just to recap that a little bit, the, by creating change, um, um, how do I say this? By, by improving the lives of not just the, the ailing patient, um, but all the stakeholders around her, uh, including her kids, her spouse or significant others, but, but also including and maybe even especially her caregivers, you were able to improve the outcome for that individual. In other words, it became an entire system of uh, improving outcomes where the quality of everybody's life in, uh, improved, um, including the actual caregivers who then were more able to do what they were hired to do and reach their highest performance. Absolutely. So you know how Marshall talks about saying thank you, being mm -hmm. grateful, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have a morbid situation, you don't have much gratitude because people are very inward. They're just simply trying to survive today, this moment, this hour, right? right? So one of the things that we did for, um, just for fun, but to get ready for kids' visits, was we asked people to bring in their recipes of what their kids loved. And we would bake for, for the children's visits, chocolate chip cookies, you know, whatever. I love those. <laughs> Not only did we make them for the children that were going to come, we usually did it on a Thursday. The kids came on a Friday. We then held a coffee tea party for the doctors um, in the afternoon, as soon as the baking was done. And now the conversation was a positive conversation because it was around a gift. I made this for you. Thank you for taking care of me. It changed the dynamics of everybody. And you think, how simple, right? Mm -hmm. So Denise, I often look at that and I think, what is it that goes on in our organizations? Most of it will I was just thinking that. A dramatic difference. It's not huge things, but it's being intentional about what it is that's needed. And it's having your eyes open to where the problem, the, the sore points. But in addition to that, just imagine if we were able to have these kinds of transparent discussions with each other in the workplace, where we are, uh, where we actually care about what is happening in each other's individual lives on teams, where where we are there for each other, based on what we're experiencing at home where we do that without embarrassment because we happen to be the one who's caring for children or caring for an ailing parent um, or having some other sort of personal um, health issue or emotional issue, but we're able to engage with each other with that kind of vulnerability, whether it be with our peers or our, um, the person that we're reporting to because we're recognizing that we're all human and we don't have to put on this facade of we know everything, we're perfectly okay all the time, you know, which is a standard that no one can achieve anyway. So right. why, not, why not create that connectivity and hope and expect that it leads to a great business outcome? Absolutely. And so, you know, we, we tend to keep things close to the chest, right? The C-suite plans and it's tight to the chest, it goes down. And there's a certain amount of that that is necessary.
but people have to understand what that is in order for them to really be able to respond and to provide input. So there's a vulnerability that's involved with being transparent that um, you have to be comfortable with. You have to be comfortable with yourself. Yeah. And you have to be able to come back and say, you know what, I was wrong on that one. Let's move on. But you know, it is a dance. It's, it's so interesting um, with regard to inclusion that um, inclusion requires empathy, but, but to, to, to the demonstration of empathy is a dance between the person who is, who is being vulnerable and the person who then has the opportunity to express empathy. You don't get to express empathy unless vulnerability comes first, right? Yes. So to use your example of, you know, the nurse in the workplace who was experiencing whatever it is she was working, experiencing, um, the other nurse was able to, to, to come and, you know, to be there for her to take over on the basis of that vulnerability. So, right. Um, the same yeah. is true on teams. You know, I think of some of the best teams I've ever worked on, um, there was a willingness of the entire hierarchy to be vulnerable and to listen. So there wasn't, okay, I'm here to, because this is part of my hour structure of report time. Mm -hmm. It was really, this is our time. We're going to shape this together. And mm -hmm. I'm here to listen. Very nice. There's some, it's very different. It's a different nuance that people get the difference. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I think it's, I think it's fascinating um, just to see um, how hand in hand uh, individual transformation um, is with, um, with organizational transformation, because we don't get, the kind of organizational transformation that you and I are speaking with without um, each individual um, to some extent transitioning or transforming too. So it's to me, it's leaders um, that transform their behavior, um, that, that, that influence transforms teams or gives teams the permission to transform. And when teams transform, organizations do. So, so uh, yeah, and in, in, the, in, in your example, you're talking about a life uh, or death transformation, right? We're not just talking about increased innovation or even increased uh, employee productivity or employee engagement that we're all looking for, or even increased revenue. We're talking about um, potentially saving lives. That's huge. Yeah. It is. It is huge. Yeah. And um, so doable. And I think of it also... You know, we're seeing more and more, and it's something that I, I'm very um, interested in, is how do we leave a legacy, mm -hmm. right, for the future? I think about that. Do you? Oh, yes. And, and how do you think about it? Oh, you know, it, it might just be that, you know, I'll just say, do I dare say post 40? <laughs> Go ahead. 40 plus, whatever that means to you out there, uh, you know, that time of life where you're starting to ask yourself, what has my life meant? And have I made any sort of lasting contribution that I will be remembered for? Because at the end of the day, I'm going to be, you know, ashes to ashes or dust to dust. And, and what have I left behind? And it's interesting because the work that I, that I do and that you do obviously, but I'll speak for myself is, is so meaningful in the sense that it is 
improving organizations and it is also improving the lives of individuals, in my case, particularly women and people of color. Uh, but, but being able to, to sort of see that in some tangible way is what I'm looking for. So um, uh, I'm hoping that some of the work that we're doing um, that, that is in fact uh, a little bit on the measurable side uh, in the sense that um, you know, we can see whether we're having an impact on reducing attrition, on, on moving women and people of color through the talent pipeline to senior leadership. These are things that are real, that, that have a real impact, not just for this generation, but for the generation to come. So I'm crossing my fingers, Lois. <laughs> I hope I can, I hope we can do it. You know what, Denise, there are so few people who measure and I think that is one of the things that I, when I first learned about what you do, that I deeply respected was you have a, you have a sense of responsibility. We got to measure it. We got to know we make a difference. And if we don't, we're going to change it until we can make a difference. And so it's that passion that I think um, there's a passion to make a difference that I think is almost a prerequisite to having a legacy, isn't it? I agree. I agree. I mean, unless you want to be, unless you you're, you want your legacy to be, um, I made the most money of anyone on the block, or you know, something um, along those lines. But if if you want if you want the kind of legacy that is that has deep meaning, I think I think you're absolutely right. You know, I think it was Charles Garfield. I, I can't remember for sure if that was the author. But many, many years ago, um, I, I read that the, the, this research had, had been conducted looking at um, who we remember. And um, so they've gone back in history and, you know, how many pharaohs do we really have names for that we can really, we can recount? Not many. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't have very many um, uh, emperors, unless you're from China, that you can recount, or of Russia, right? We don't, probably most of us can't recount all the presidents of the United States quickly. But we do know Mahatma Gandhi. Mm -hmm. We do know Mother Teresa. We know the people who transform people's lives yeah yeah very true people who build empires come and go people who change lives we don't forget yeah yeah and and i i can imagine that uh that you must um have a have a certain sense of pride and legacy in the work that you've done uh in the hospital and of course with you know in other industries as well but that one in particular stands out in my mind as being super meaningful. Well, thank you. Yeah, and likewise, um, Denise, it is so wonderful to have this time to just share with our audiences what it is that um, is important, what we have found important within organizations, and the connection that we've had together as we have gotten to know one another has been just really, really wonderful. So I thank you for that. I'm looking forward to it continuing. Yes, likewise. This will have to be the first of many podcasts that we do. Wouldn't that be great? And then just to make sure everybody knows, 
there will be information that will be available. We'll make both make that available and um, just connect with us. We're glad to share with you anything that we can that will help you with what it is that you're trying to achieve in your life and in your careers. Absolutely.